Amen. Thank you, Amy. Well, good morning. Is your heart prepared for a time in the Word now? I know that mine is. Thank you, Alex, for leading us. Amy, for playing. Thank you for the Scripture, Jim, this morning. All those things which just point us towards the Savior. It's good to be back together this morning to worship and to read the Word and to study it. And I hope this is just one more time in the Word of many that you've had this week as you spent time daily. I remind you from time to time that is God's plan for the reading of His Word is to be in it daily. And so you can do that with us together as a church. Many of us have are using the trifold there in the back uh, together in the Word. And so you'll go verse by verse through the Bible in a year and start again as you compare the Holy Standard to your own life and are able to hold up the praises that the Scriptures proclaim of the Lord. Uh, you are drawn into unity with His Spirit. And so let me encourage you to do that. And as you see some of the kids exiting, if you have ones who... Uh, would be like to be in junior church up through grade four. You can be dismissed at this time, or you can keep your kids with you. It's okay. Either way, for the rest of you, turn, if you would, to your copy of God's Word, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll be reading from the New American Standard and studying out of that, but if, whatever, uh, and you may find that in the seat around you, or just keep yours that you study and you memorize. I'll give you verse cues, and that's a great sound right there. That's the sound of a of a young, lively church, and so we're grateful for that. I'm glad they're excited to go to Sunday school. God's plan for a healthy church, study through the books of First and Second Corinthians. You can see that in your notes. That is our, that is our title of our study, has been the title now for uh, just, just, uh, over, uh, just under two years now as we've been in the Word. If you're new with us this morning, this is our second stop in chapter 12, right at the beginning of our look at spiritual gifts. In general, this is conduct in the church. Paul, as he moved into chapter 10, began to take into consideration what was going on in the worship services uh, that were part of this Corinthian church. And so everything that we study now up through chapter 14 will be actual things happening in the service. And Paul has received that information from a number of sources, and so he is directing then his attention back. If you would, let's read verses 1 through 12 this morning, and then we'll uh, jump into our study. Starting here, now concerning, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Verse 3, therefore make, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts and the same Spirit. Verse 5, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. Verse 6, there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Verse 7, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Verse 9, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Verse 10, and to another the effecting of miracles and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing each uh, to each one individually just as he wills. Let's stop right there. Now, uh, to get into this discussion, as we just began to look at last week, uh, of the Corinthian believers' conduct in their meetings, Paul is obviously answering some questions that have to do with being spiritual. Uh, those questions may have come up in a number of different manners. Perhaps it went like this. Paul, could you please clarify for us how we can determine whether someone is under the control of the Holy Spirit? With all of their pagan background and all the, the static utterances they're used to doing and hearing and the oracles they're used to listening to and they're coming into the church now and they have some questions about that. And maybe we can qualify it by saying, and I think we can... Uh, we can be very accurate in, in saying this. Um, we have a lot of different things going on in our assembly when we meet together, Paul. And we would just like to know what should be going on and what it should sound like and what should it look like. And I think that's a fair evaluation as we get uh, read forward, as you probably have already, through chapter 14. Uh, those are some questions that they had. What should be going on? What should it sound like? What should it look like? What does it look like if you're spirit-controlled as opposed to what we're used to seeing uh, in the course of our pagan background. And so uh, this is the perfect opportunity for Paul to clarify for the church what some of the work of the Holy Spirit does in and what it looks like in the church. Now, as we defined last week, spiritual gifts are real gifts. Uh, you don't have them apart from the grace of the Holy Spirit, so they are also referred to as grace gifts. 
Those who come to faith receive gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are given to the redeemed person to work in harmony with other spiritual gifts given to other believers to benefit the body of Christ, to edify the church, and to make the Holy Spirit known. Now, you copied that down last week. If you need to copy it down again, you can get with me afterwards or just check online. A lot of background there so you could understand that last week. We won't go back through that again. But Paul had already indicated that they were the beneficiaries of gifts, benefits from God as a result of being born again. All the way back in chapter 1, we saw that you lack no spiritual gift, Paul says. You have everything you need. Within the assembly, they had all of them. So, and they weren't confined in any of these gifts to one class of people. They extended to all classes of people, male, female, young, old. Every redeemed person was a beneficiary of gifts. They had them all in the body. So as we saw in the church in Corinth, there were all these gifts and the background of paganism and ecstatic utterance and voices of the oracles and the golden voice of Bacchus and all the stuff that they were used to hearing in pagan worship. And now they're hearing stuff going on in the church and they're just saying, okay, you know, when we come to this service, it seems like we have a lot of chaos going on. And I think we can be fair to say that's what was the case as we look forward into chapter 13 and chapter 14. So to correct the mess that's actually going on in the service then, he takes this chapter and two others and he addresses all the issues which have been, he's been made aware of. Now, look at verse 1, if you would, in your copy of God's Word. Paul says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So he just kind of leads right in and says, I know that you know about spiritual gifts. I know that you know about the Spirit. I know that you know about worship. I know that you've heard all these kind of things. But there's some stuff I want you to be made aware of. Something that, by impl implication, you're ignorant of. And so Paul, he doesn't want them to continue not knowing about the issues concerning things related to the Spirit. And it's referring primarily to people and whether they're, what they're doing and what they're manifesting is actually of the Spirit of God. So verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand the subject. And the first thing he does is give them a couple of principles that will help them test for the indicators that a person is certainly under the control of the indwelling Spirit of God. He's going to give them a couple things that they can look at and ask and think about in their mind. And those they just seem very simple, but obviously whatever was going on there could be uh, clarified by these couple of questions. Paul says, um, first of all, first point, he really implied by contrast, we find in verse 2. Look there if you would. Paul's going to show them how to do this. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 2, he says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. So Paul shows them then that this is uh, what was happening. This is what you saw happening before. This is the way you used to worship, if you will. And so the point's implied by contrast. The Spirit doesn't work that way. It doesn't work the way you used to worship. It doesn't just carry you along blindly. You don't just do whatever, kind of helplessly caught in whatever's going on. Paul says that's what you used to do. And implied in the principle is, if that's what's going on now, then uh, with some of them, un undoubtedly that was what was going on, then that is not of the Spirit. You used to be blindly led along, uh, helplessly under the control of whatever demon that was carrying you along in pagan worship. This is not how that works in the church, just kind of randomness and it doesn't make any sense. That's what you used to do. Now we looked at all that background, we won't go through that again. Now verse 3 says this, Therefore, I make known to you, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Let's stop right there. Here's the thing. Just because somebody's enthusiastic, uttering some ecstatic uttering or saying some words in the church, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're spiritual. Paul says there's a couple of things that you need to know. First of all, it's not going to be this blind, just kind of doing whatever it is, just carried along helplessly. And secondly, it, there's going to be some things that have to do with content. And Paul's give them the, giving them a a test that they can conduct, okay? Just because they say it came from God doesn't mean that it did. So the first part is that it's not a helpless, out-of-mind experience similar to what they're used to in false worship and in pagan temples. And that goes along with this second principle of testing to see if a person is under the control of the indwelling Spirit of God. And principle number two is this. Uh, Paul says to the Corinthians that they need to pay attention to what the speaker is saying because what's said about Jesus is especially important. So obviously he was able to, in very simple terms, whatever was going on in the Corinthian church, begin to clarify it by saying it's not this helpless, ecstatic utterance that you're used to, being carried along however you were carried along, and it's also going to have some, some content to it that you can understand. And so he tells them to pay attention. What's said is most important. And the ultimate criteria then for the Spirit's activity is the exaltation of Jesus as Lord. That's the point. Some of the Corinthians are wise enough to know that they, here's the thing, they can't determine 
things by the nature of the experience. Okay, just because it's an experience doesn't mean necessarily that in its nature it is of the Holy Spirit. The content was the most important thing. It was the most important part, Paul says, if it's a speaking gift. And Paul's going to come back to this point numerous times in a number of different ways. So get used to hearing this. Paul's just going to come right back around and say what's being said, what's being said, what's being said, what's the content of being said. He's going to come back to that all through these three chapters. In other words, the Holy Spirit will be about exalting. And the spiritual gifts, in particular for Paul, here, his instruction here, in the gift of tongues, because that's Paul's focus, as we'll see, he kind of begins to really focus on the misuse of the gift of tongues, and it's going to center on Jesus, that God has come in human flesh. It's going to center on Jesus' as Savior. That's what the gift of tongues did at Pentecost. It focused on the gospel. It was the sign of, to the Jews, which Isaiah 28 had indicated would come, that those who don't speak their language would be telling them and giving them instruction. And that was the beginning of that sign, and it allowed the gospel to be proclaimed during the Feast of Weeks and the First Fruits Week when all these foreigners were here, all these Jews who had been dispersed were here in Jerusalem, and they were able to hear the gospel in their own language. So the manifest gift should center on Jesus' sovereignty. And the Holy Spirit will bring focus on Jesus. And there's, this is no mindless recitation. He says that no one can declare him sovereign without the Spirit of God being active, and no one who has the Spirit is going to declare that Jesus isn't all he said that he was. So that's the clarification. And the assembly of members who make that confession, that is the body where the Spirit is active. And the Spirit of God has freed idolaters. Here's the thing, and I think this is, we can get this, and they can certainly infer that from Paul's comments, but we, we understand this. The Spirit of God has freed idolaters, which they used to be, and they can understand and speak the opposite of what they used to express, see? And now they can say, Jesus is the ruler of God's world. That's the only way they can do that is by the Holy Spirit being active in their life. They used to say all kinds of things, but now they can say this. So in Corinth, the spiritual ones are asking a question. How can we know if a person is spiritual? Paul says, you'll know it because it won't be like it was when you worship dumb idols. And you'll know it because of the centrality of the message of Jesus' lordship in those speaking gifts. That's going to be the main topic. His point was that inspired, if you will, utterance as such does not indicate that the Holy Spirit is leading a person along. It has to be some content there that you can identify. The Corinthians were, of course, caught up with ecstatic utterances and speaking in tongues and words of knowledge and prophecies. And those who could do that were considered the most spiritual in the group. And I'm going forward a little bit. We'll see this in a little bit. But those who could do that were considered the most spiritual. But Paul says right here, the most spiritual are the ones who glorify Jesus. Those are the ones who make clear the gospel and glorify him as Lord. Now, you look at that test of the Spirit. Now let's look at our next stop in Paul's thinking. And they, of course these blend together. These are just handholds I give you so we can understand it. But you certainly could move these, some of these principles back into the test. But they are going forward. I just call them the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul gives... Here in the next couple of verses, he's going to give some general principles that are important in 1 Corinthians and that he will revisit with different, with, uh, different language, of course, over the next three chapters. So let's look at them. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and Paul's going to look at them now and give some general principles concerning them. Look at verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, verse 5, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord, verse 6, and there are varieties of effects but the same God who works all things in all persons. Let's stop right there. So, just in general, we'll sum it up and we'll go back verse by verse and, and, uh, and word by word. Gifts, ministries, effects are all different. Spirit, Lord, God, all the same. Okay, so we have this great contrast going on here, and that really is our first principle, the gifts of the Spirit. In the church, there's a contrast going on between unity and diversity. Unity within the will of the Spirit and the will of the Lord and the will of God who are all one unity, one mind, one will, and diversity then within the varieties of gifts and the varieties of ministries and the varieties of the effects of all those ministries. And those things are working together and proclaiming the unity of God and what he wants to see in the church. Now let's explain a little bit. It's really, really is marvelous, this, the way that the Paul has put this together as the Holy Spirit has carried him along. Now there are, verse 4, there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit. That varieties, diaresis, it's a compound Greek noun, takes on both distribution and variety. So the idea is this, there is a wide range of combinations of gifts that have been distributed. That's what Paul wants him to understand, a, a wide range of combinations of gifts. And that gifts, of course, charisma, that's the word we looked at last time and studied. That's referring to extraordinary ability. 
given to believers, enabling them to serve the church of God as a result of the Holy Spirit's residence. And so those gifts there are what make the church work. That's what makes the church viable. That allows ministry to go on and learning and all the things that are going to happen and are supposed to happen in the church. So you have these varieties, this wide combination of gifts that have been distributed. So how many well, how many are there? Well, there's nine here, maybe 16, maybe more. I, I, here's the thing, and we'll list off the ones mentioned here. We're going to we'll list off the ones mentioned in Romans chapter 12. We'll, we'll lift off the ones uh, out of 1 Peter 4. But I don't think the issue here, and this is important, is to indicate every spiritual gift. That's not Paul's point. Here is to emphasize the wide range of combinations that have been distributed. I think that's Paul's point here, so he's not going to give us an exhaustive list here but he's just going to give us one that helps us see what's going on. Now, I'd like you to turn, hold your finger here, because just for a minute, I want you to turn back to Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Would you do that? Romans 12, 3. And if you've been with us you for a while, you were here when we went verse by verse through this letter to uh, the church in Rome from Paul. And Paul talks about this very thing here. And so I think it's a great parallel. It helps us understand this wide variety, this wide range of combinations of gifts that have been distributed. Because sometimes that's hard to imagine because people are used to taking some kind of test and then you figure out what your spiritual gifts are. And then everybody who has exhortations over here, everybody you know, has the gift of teachings over here, and everybody you know, has the gift of helps us over there and you know, all that stuff. Like we can divide them up so evenly and yet, you know, all the people who stand up who, who uh, can you know, have the gift of mercy showing or whatever, as if somehow we can divide it up that way. And, and I don't believe that, that the scripture indicates that at any point that the gift that I have or the gift that Bill has or the gift that uh, Jason has, even if they were similar gifts, would be exactly identical. And so we're going to see this, and Paul, again, as, as we get early into 1 Corinthians 4, we see he's going to say variety of gifts with the same spirit, and we're going to see in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, he's going to say the exact same thing, but different language to help us understand how this all works. Now look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3, if you would. It's a great passage, and I think you'll really enjoy this as it really illustrates for us uh, spiritual gifts in, in the same basic format, just using different language to help us grasp it. Now look at verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. So where we are, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Verse 4, for just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so, verse 5, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Verse 6, since we have gifts that differ, according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to proportion of his faith. Let's stop right there. Now I'm going to go back and just pick up on a few of those things. I'm not going to break down that entire section. It would take us too long, and we've already done that, and you can catch up with that online if you want to see it. But the last part of verse 3 it says this, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now, we're not talking about saving faith, as we looked at when we looked at this passage. That's not the context of the verse. We're talking about, we're speaking of faith that God gives to operate the spiritual gift he bestows. These are believers. So we're assuming already that they have gifts. God has given that gift and faith uh, in order to have that gift go to work. Remember 1 Corinthians 12, 4, there's a wide range of combinations of gifts that have been distributed. Paul says God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Romans 12, 3 really clarifies that. You have a capacity of faith, catch this, you have a capacity of faith you need to be active in your spiritual gift, and the variety of that gift will be unique to you. The variety of that gift is going to be unique. You're going to have a special measure of faith to operate that gift that God has given you, and that variety is going to be unique to you. And again, we have the same understanding. There's a wide range of combinations. You may have a similar spiritual gift as another person, but God has dispensed it to you. Uh, and, and the faith to operate your spiritual gift inside the unique church body where he's placed you, operating inside a unique character and unique personality, uh, being made in the image of Christ as you have, that is you. So even though you may have the same gift as someone else, as it's been placed in you with the measure of faith that God has given specifically to you, we're going to see in just a minute, God has allotted as he wills each gift. So it's going to be unique to you, set in this unique person God has made new, and that wor the working of that gift is going to be unique to the way God has made you and put you in the body to fit a certain spot. And operating then, and we can say this, then operating as you should inside the body of Christ, that is the perfect fit. And we wouldn't leave that up to God to be random, would he? Just kind of throw a whole bunch of people together and hope you guys work it all out. As he puts people together in the body, he gives gifts that are to be used according to the need that's there to minister to one another. 
Now, we understand that's looking towards the gifts given by God. We haven't looked at any of them. But verse 6 really confirms that. Just jump ahead really quickly if you would. Right there, Romans 12, 6. A couple of things you can pick out right there. God gives spiritual gifts to each believer in his own sovereignty. And so God, if God gives them out, no gift should be unused. Look at verse 6 there again. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. God has given each individually member uh, a gift in his own sovereignty. Now, because they are given by God to advance his kingdom and to bring glory to his name, that's exactly what they're supposed to do when they're functioning as they should. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says it this way. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to one, each one individually, just as he wills. That's how he says it in Romans 12, uh, and, or in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Just as who wills? Just as the Lord has willed. It's his own sovereignty. He d- it dispenses that gift. He gives a measure of faith to operate it. He places it in the body just like it's needed and functioning as it should. It meets the needs that the body has. God is accomplishing his own purposes in the church through the giving of gifts from the Holy Spirit. Remember uh, 1 Corinthians 12.4, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's a whole bunch of different varieties of gifts. Romans 12 says that they're given in God's sovereignty. They're given with a measure of faith specific to you to fit inside the body. Now, God is accomplishing his own purpose in the church through the giving of gifts from the Holy Spirit. And if that is the case, and indeed it is, then, Romans 12, 6, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If God's given the gift, he's given the measure of faith for the gift. If there's a variety there, just really specific to the individual believer, then he has given them to be used. Every gift that is there is there because he placed it there. And every gift that is there is there because it pleased God to have it there. And if it's there to be used by God, then it's used to minister to the body of believers. Make the Holy Spirit known to edify the church. So if you you have spiritual gifts, then let's just make this right up in your sweet tea. You have spiritual gifts, and when those spiritual gifts are given to you at salvation, you're placed inside a body of Christ, and that specific, those gifts are specific to you to be used inside the body because that's where the need is. So if you're, you're in the body, you're not using your gifts somewhere, working somewhere, we lack because you've been given to the body specifically to be working uh, your spiritual gifts and ministering to the body. So if we understand that God is, is the author and we're dependent, if he, he doesn't look at what's visible the same way we do, and from the other side, when we see that God is the giver of the gifts and the faith, uh, and we will not deny our own gifts either, see? We can't say and sit there and say, well, I don't have any. There's no way I, I can be used. I, there's nothing I can do. Well, that's not the case, see? Because we indeed know that you have been given gifts specifically tailored to you to fit perfectly inside the body where you're functioning. And it's illustrated really by Paul with an example of this physical body. He does it early in Romans. He does it a little later in 1 Corinthians. We're going to get to the same type of language, and we'll come back here again uh, in a couple of weeks. But verse 4 says this, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. Let's pause right there. In other words, Paul says to the Roman church, you're one physical body with many members, individual, unique gifts, and specific ministries to people that the Lord has ordained and put together individual parts for you to all work together. Diversity and unity, right? Diversity of gifts, unity. God's will, unity, God's will in 1 Corinthians 12. The body in Romans chapter 12, but unity. Okay, diversity in gifts, but unity under God's will, unity under Christ's body. So we who are many are one body in Christ. And, and because we're from such diverse backgrounds, if we don't function, here's the thing, see, and here's how you can look at the church and see why Paul had so many difficulties with the church and had to write so many letters to them, just like the modern church continued to had, continues to have difficulty. And here's the thing, because we're from su- such diverse backgrounds, if we don't function inside our spiritual gift set with the faith God supplies, we can become crippled very quickly, can't we? Because we wouldn't normally hang out, would we, some of us? Because we're so different. And so the Lord has given then individual gifts, and we're to function inside the Holy Spirit's gift in the body. When we do that, things work very well. And when we don't do that, things don't work so well. Okay? So understand that getting that used and backwards is going to be uh, immediately lend to things that don't work well. Okay? Now, 
There's unity there in one body, but diversity of gifts. We're going to see that again in 1 Corinthians 12. And then he says this, so verse, chapter 12, verse 5. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we're all connected in a spiritual body, working together just like the individual members of the human body work together. There's that unity again, not just in God's will, but in the illustration of the body and how it works together. Gifts given to work with other gifts. Okay, so we share a common life, we share a common head, which is Christ, using this body illustration. We share a common resource, which is the Holy Spirit. We share common ministry, which is a ministry the Lord has given to the local church where you're plugged in. And the body systems have that unity. We have that unity. We have unity inside diversity because God's will, the Holy Spirit's will, Christ's will are all the same. So we have this interaction with one another, a codependence, and if you will, just like the body does, and in our own self-absorbed consumer society, it can really be hard to make that switch in your thinking that you are part of a body that's to work together. Not individually, but together, the Lord's given gifts to work in harmony with one another. Really sums it up this way. We're all diverse, uniquely made for specific ministry, equipped with a measure of faith necessary to animate our gifts, that we're given to minister to one another, to create a community, a body which is interdependent, concerned about each other's well-being, and ministering to one another. That's what the Holy Spirit desires inside the church. That was God's plan from the start as he, as he planted the church. Now, this leads us into verse 6 of Romans 12. Look there, if you would. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And we understand that principle because we looked at it in verse 3. God has allotted to each a measure of faith. It was looking forward to the discussion of spiritual gifts. And now Paul is springing off that illustration of the physical body and how interconnected we are, and he gets to the practical application of serving through spiritual gifts. Verse 6, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, that's just obvious now, right? Because we've seen that in two different passages of the scripture. Since we have gifts, and we saw 1 Corinthians 12, the noun charisma, a free gift, translated grace gift, if you will. We have a grace gift from God. God-given channels, if you will, in every believer, sovereignly designed for every Christian, for the common good. Just as we saw 1 Corinthians 12. So Paul moves into the gifts now that allow us to serve one another in Romans 12. And he's going to give us examples of gifts for the ongoing life of the church. And I'll just read the gifts and, and we'll come back and compare them with the ones we're going to see in 1 Corinthians 12 uh, in a couple weeks. The, the Romans list is not exhaustive any more than the Corinthians list is exhausted, but they're examples of proper serving, and, and Paul doesn't have to correct. Here's the thing. Paul doesn't have to correct this Roman church like he had to correct the church in Corinth, and the church in Corinth who were misusing their gifts and counterfeiting their signed gifts, and, and Paul, and, and I want to point out again before I read these in Romans, that Paul doesn't mention any signed gifts here at all, even though he's talking about spiritual gifts, because this letter was written later than 1 Corinthians, and signed gifts were beginning to cease, and Paul wasn't having the trouble in Romans that he was having early in this Corinthian church. But he mentions this. He says this. Look at, at first, or, uh, Romans 12, 6. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy showing. Those are the ones that Paul picks up. Now, I just summed those up for you. Paul spreads them out over several verses. But Paul talks about prophecy. He talks about service. He talks about teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy showing. And we're going to see, I'm just kind of foreshadowing here a little bit, we're going to see they can split these ongoing gifts into two categories, speaking gifts and serving gifts. And we're going to look at that, as we look at, particularly as we look at 1 Peter 4 and how Peter does that. And we're going to see that during this study. Now, you know, getting started on spiritual gifts, just as a side note, getting started on spiritual gifts is kind of like getting, start, getting your vehicle started in really deep sand. It kind of seems like you, add, you, know, you put the gas on and you're really throwing sand, but it's not moving far, okay? And that's how it is. You've got to lay so much got to lay so much groundwork. we got to know what was going on in the early church. We have to know what Paul had to talk about in the early church and why he had to talk about it. And so there's a lot of groundwork, and there's a lot of things I want you to make sure that you understand, at least conceptually, as we move forward. So forgive me that we've laid so much, but I think it's, uh, I think it's important. Now look back, flip back, 1 Corinthians 12. We'll be there for the rest of our time together. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. <clears throat> now, Verse 4 says this, and we're leading up to the one that's behind me on the screen, okay? Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Now, we looked at that, okay? So, a wide distribution of a variety of gifts, a wide range of combinations, if you will, of gifts distributed among believers in God's sovereignty, according with faith. 
So we can add that, right, can't we? Because we just saw that in Romans 12. So in God's sovereignty, there's a whole bunch of variety of gifts and accordance with faith to operate the gift. Given. Now, so if that's the case, then there will be, verse 5, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. So if you have a whole bunch of different varieties of gifts given in the sovereignty of God with the faith that is there to apply it, then it just follows then, right, that there will be varieties, diaresis, right, distribution and variety. There's a wide range of combinations, if you will, of ministries that are happening. That's just obvious, isn't it? Diacarina, ministries, that's where we get our word for the office of deacon. It's someone who serves, particularly as a deacon, a table waiter. So a wide variety of combinations of gifts, unique in the combination, which is as diverse and distinctive as the gift of God's grace and the faith that God gives to each believer. So you got all that happening, see? Every believer has gifts, a wide variety of gifts, given in accordance with God's sovereignty, given in accordance with uh, faith. Have all that going on to accomplish the ministry of the Spirit in His church. So you have a variety of ministries. If you have a wide variety of combinations of gifts, it's just obvious that you know, Dan is going to have a different ministry than I have, and John's going to have a different ministry than I have, and, and Daniel's going to have a different ministry than I have. Why? Because we have a different combination of gifts given with a measure of faith, so the ministry aspect is going to be a little different too, won't it? Which, again, just really breaks down the ministry of the church and makes it so applicable. There's a whole bunch of ministries that have to go on, and as you're open to where the Lord's leading you, you're ministering specifically in your gift set. And the Lord's put people there that you can minister to. See? And so when we don't have people operating inside their gift set, there's, there's groups of people that aren't getting ministered to effectively. Why? Because you were given to do that just like they were given to minister to you in another way. So all these things are going to vary. So it just follows if there's a wide variety of gifts, there's going to be a wide variety of ministries. But again, and the same Lord. So the first one was the same Spirit. The second, the same Lord. So what will? Is it, is it a different will going on here? No. It's, it's the Spirit's will and it's Jesus' will. Both the same, but a wide variety of ministries, a wide variety of gifts. First Corinthians 12, 18, you just look forward there. I won't put it on the screen. It says it this way. And Paul's going to come back and just kind of remind us as we work our way through it. But he says this, but now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. So God's at work in all of this, see? Place the members of the body just like he desired to minister, just like he wants them to minister to the people that are there to be ministered to with this unique variety of gifts going on. God in his sovereignty has placed the believers in the local body so their uniqueness, in their uniqueness, they could serve the assembly. And just as a footnote, and here's the thing, beloved, remember this, that diversity could also be some of these ministries affected at a level which each believer is using the measure of faith God's given, see? So you may have a gift and the measure of faith to use it and not be using it at the measure God's given, you see? In your own lack of faith, in your own obstinance, in your own just, I don't, I don't fit in here, I don't have any place where I can work, whatever it is. You're not using that faith, so there's even more diversity. We could be doing more, perhaps, than we are, because perhaps some are not using their gift in the measure of faith God has given. And so then you fly back to, to uh, the beam of seat judgment as God evaluates how we use the faith, right? And what we do according to what he's laid out before us and how faithfully we accomplish that. And so all this is all interconnected. It's marvelous to, to me as we go through this stuff how interconnected this is with the real life of the church. And as you look at the church and see what is and isn't going on, you realize there are people given to us that could be doing some of this stuff and aren't. And then there's other people who are operating even outside the measure of faith God's given them because they just... Yeah, the older you are in the faith and the more you are in the Word, it more seems like that you have all the spiritual gifts when you really don't. You just have the fruits of the Spirit operating inside love, operating in the body. And so there's some, just some marvelous stuff going on here. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, God has placed the members, each of them, in the body just as he desired. So God does that. Now, look at verse 6. Again, just... It just follows. So we start in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts for the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. That just follows, okay? So if there is a wide variety of gifts that have been dispersed, see, because each believer is unique and has been granted gifts from the Holy Spirit and a measure of faith unique to them in God's sovereignty to use that gift, then there would be a wide variety of ministries going on, which there are, because the Holy Spirit has given gifts through his people to the assembly, just as he's allotted them, 
just as he wants the ministry to go on, and that's exactly what we see, isn't it? So then it would follow then, because of the unique combination of gifts and faith, then there would be, look at verse 6, varieties of effects, correct? If there's a wide variety of gifts, unique to the individual, then there would be a wide variety of ministries going on, as you do your ministry, you're, you're making that happen and, and ministering to people because the Holy Spirit's working through you. There's lots of different varied ministries. And then if that's the case, then the effects of those ministries are also going to be different, aren't they? Varieties again, distribution and variety, that, that compound Greek noun. And the effects, that's the Greek noun, energema. It's the outworking of the ministry. There's all kinds of outworking going on. The product, if you will, produced in an investment. That's what the word is from. What's the product produced from the investment? So varieties of gifts, unique to the individual, and varieties of ministries, as each of us is equipped to do ministry, to do some ministry to some person or some people or some segment of the congregation or whatever it is. And so we're doing those ministries and they vary between individuals who may have common gifts, but different ministries. And it would, it, then it would just follow then that there would be varieties of effects from all of that. The outworking, the product produced from the investment. There's a wide range of outcomes from the gifts and the ministries that are happening. And some may be obvious from the start, and some may be revealed later, and some may be smaller by appearance, and maybe because the full measure of faith has not been applied, but maybe not. Maybe it's just the way the Lord wants that ministry to go at that point. And, and perhaps uh, some may be greater by appearance, maybe because the full measure of faith has been applied, maybe not. Maybe this is where the Lord wants to work in that individual at this point. But there's going to be a wide variety of the outworking, the wide variety of product produced. All these varied distributions of gifts, all these varied ministries, because of the unique gifts, will produce all kinds of different results from the ongoing ministry. But still, what is the same God? The Spirit has one will that Jesus Christ shares, and God the Father all share the same will. So a very big variety contrasted with unity in the church. God has given these gifts to minister. I don't think you can come away from this. There's a lot of stuff here that is really doctrine and help us understand the basis for spiritual gift working in the church. But I don't think you can come away from this and think somehow you should be sitting in the church and doing nothing. Okay? And we're not even talking about that application right now. That's more of a preaching issue, and maybe we'll get to it in a week or two. But the bottom line is this. There's no way you can sit inside the church and do nothing, regardless of where you are. Okay? Because you've been given spiritual gifts unique to you. There's a ministry tailored for your, your gift, and you should be doing it. And then the outworking of that ministry will be varied amongst people. So, all these varied distributions, all these varied ministries, because of unique gifts, are going to produce all kinds of different results from ongoing ministries. And we'll see this, but the church in Corinth was putting great emphasis on gifts of the Spirit that they felt were more important had better ministry opportunity or had a greater effect. So they're putting all that, just a few of these, these spiritual gifts that they thought were the most important and could have produced the greatest results and whatever had the greatest effect. And they were judging from appearances and from personal preference and from pride. But Paul says in verse 6, there are varieties of effects but the same God who works all things in all persons. So we have this variety of effect with the same God, and this works energeo, causing to function. So the variety of effects, a variety of out, uh, products produced from this gift, but the same God, and then it says this, who, energeo, causes to function the energy needed to achieve results. Uh, the Corinthians thought that the Holy Spirit was only achieving results through their efforts in a showy outward gift, but it wasn't that at all, see? The actual literal translation is God energizes all in all. It's all God at work. Whatever the outcome, whatever the ministry, whatever the gift, this is all energized by the Lord. The actual God energizes all in all. All that's going on through the activity of the Spirit in the church is energized by God. And He isn't wasting His empowerment. As things are happening, results are produced. As you invest, where, wherever it might be, it might be some small area where you think is not important. It is super important, and you're producing results, and God's keeping track of all of it, and he's energizing all of it. You think, well, I just don't think I can do it. Well, but you can't in your own flesh, but you have the Holy Spirit's residence there, and you have spiritual gifts tailored to you, and ministries waiting for you, and outcomes that will vary depending on those ministries, and, under, and underneath all of that, making it work is God's energy. 
We'll see in verse 22 and following that he has arranged how the Holy Spirit does his work through the church. And here's the thing. As the, the Corinthians were elevating a couple ones they thought were most important and, and created the best results in whatever it is, see, the Holy Spirit says that, you know, he's going to make the gifts that seem less in the eyes of the Corinthians much more important, and, he's gonna, and he makes the gifts that they've evaluated as better a lot less important. So maybe you look at somebody who has a gift, and you think, well, what they're doing is much more important than what I could do. And the Holy Spirit's actually flipped it around. What they're doing is less important, really, in the, in the underlying scheme of things where ministry is concerned and the God is, is concerned than perhaps some showy gift that you look at and think, I wish I could do that. So as we said at the beginning of this section, the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God, all one will, but on the other hand, variety, 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 variety. One God, one Christ, one Spirit, one will, and that in that unity, a diversity of ministry. That's how God's designed it. Now, principle number two, relating to the gifts of the Spirit. Principle two. He says this, but to each, verse seven, look at verse seven if you would. <clears throat> but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. This is really great. Functioning spiritual gifts make the Holy Spirit's presence in the church clear. Paul just says, listen, the one thing we want to make clear in the church as gifts are functioning is what? That the Holy Spirit is there. Just very clear, very simple way to put it. Phanerosis, manifestation, that's the word revelation, actually. That's where we get that word. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are energized by God, and when they are functioning, they make the Holy Spirit known. Also, spiritual gifts make the Holy Spirit known. Something that was once hidden, now revealed. Functioning spiritual gifts reveal the Holy Spirit's presence. The more people are functioning in the variety God has designed for them, in the variety of ministry, in the variety of outcome, all energized by the Holy Spirit, that makes the Holy Spirit clear. Didn't we say that was the definition of a spiritual gift? Making the Holy Spirit clear that he's at work in the church. Have you ever been somewhere where there's hardly any ministry? You're like, man, this place is dead. You know, well, it, what's happening is the Holy Spirit's been quenched there, and people who have spiritual gifts aren't using them. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't appear to be viable and active and alive. And yet, that potential is there for every single believer. So he says this. But each one is given the manifestation of the, of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit. So functioning spiritual gifts uh, make the Holy Spirit's present known. And then this last part, which gives us our principle number three, is this, for the common good. Principle number three, relating to gifts of the Spirit, they're not for you. They're not for you. And as we look forward to see what's going on in Corinth, they thought they were. And what we see in the modern church even today is you're spiritual if you can, whatever. But it isn't for you at all, is it? The gift isn't for you. It's for the common good. Whatever the gift is, it wasn't given so the believer with the gift could be exalted or glorified in any way. It wasn't given to draw attention to you. And there are really strong words for the Corinthian church where those who with certain gifts were considered the most spiritual. The revealing of gifts in the life of a believer is for the advantage of the church so that the church will have what it needs. So that the church can meet the needs that come up. The focus should be off of the individual, see, because God is all and in all and he has distributed the gift according to his will and he has given the faith along with the grace gift so that it could be applied and he loves the church and he's equipped it by the Holy Spirit to be, do needs to be and to do, it can express then his will and unity best when it's diverse. And the function of individual believers is not the focus. And the individual believer who has the gift is not the focus. But the common good is the focus. Spiritual gifts, each one's given the manifestation of the Spirit, make the Spirit known for the common good. Spiritual gifts aren't for you. Paul says, listen, if you're evaluating in Corinth what's going on there, there's a few things that you can do. And one of those things is you can say, okay, um, ask a couple questions about what's going on there. Is it just like it was when you were in pagan worship, carried blindly along and doing things you don't understand? Then no, that's not the Holy Spirit's work. Uh, what's being said there? Is Jesus being glorified or is something else being talked about all the time? Because Jesus has to be glorified and it has to make him known and the Holy Spirit is going to exalt him and his lordship. And if that's going on, that those are the true people who have the spiritual gifts. And then, as relates to the spiritual gift, when, those spirit, when the spiritual gift is present and working, it makes the Holy Spirit known inside the church. So the Holy Spirit is actually working. Not individuals, they disappear. The Holy Spirit becomes known. And it's for the common good. 
So it's not exalting any individual person. I think, um, just because we uh, a lot of sports fans here, I think we can see a really excellent illustration of all of this every time there's a playoff game of any sort. If you think about, you know, and we're a ways away from this, but, you know, World Cup play. Typically, you know, the up to a franchise player, and they'll say something like this, you know, uh, what's the key to your success, you know, to get to this point? Um, you know, what's going to be the key uh, to the upcoming match? What, what will be the key? So they really want to know what that's going to be. And typically the answer is going to include at some point, well, the team is really unified. I mean, they're really together, working together right now. And the interviewer will perhaps say, well, what do you mean? You know, give us an example of being unified. And so the franchise player will say, well, everyone's going to play striker. Right? Say, uh, we've all decided to play center mid today. That's going to be the key. Very unified. Everybody center mid. Everybody's going to be keeper today. That's how, we're going to, that's how we're unified. We're all playing the same position. And that'll be key to our next win. Is that what it'll say? Of course not, right? Everybody's going to play quarterback. You know, that's how the Broncos are going to win the Super Bowl. No. That's not how that works. The unity he's speaking of is best expressed when, if you think about soccer, all 11 are doing their job for the common goal of winning, right? Regardless of what the position is, when everybody's playing their position correctly, that's for the common goal of winning. It brings a focus on, then, the team and not the individual. I think that's the point of you know, Ephesians 4.16. When we just, you know, we just said you know, God loves the church, he's equipped it by his Holy Spirit to be and do all it needs to be and do. You know, he can express his will and unity best when it's diverse. I think that's the whole point of Ephesians 4.16, isn't it? As the body, again, the illustration of the body is here, he says this, the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So just again, uses the body illustration that just says, regardless of where the, what the position is, regardless of what the part is, they're all working together for the common good. And that produces growth of the body and the building up of itself in love. Not when everybody's focusing on doing one thing, not when everybody's focusing on bringing attention to themselves for their gift or whatever it is, or the other way, sitting back and not doing anything and just thinking somehow you don't have a gift or there's no way you can contribute or you don't want to contribute or whatever it is. The bottom line is when it's working like it should, then things happen in the church like they're supposed to. See? And I think every church is in somewhere in between one extreme or another, aren't they? But obviously we want to come together and be where we need to be as we understand how spiritual gifts work. Gifts are not given for rivalry and jealousy, as we saw in, in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to see uh, later, but for the common good. That's the point of it all. Spiritual gifts are always given to be used, and to be used in such a way as to edify the whole body of believers, not some individual possessor of a gift. What Paul says then in verse 4, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul's just re reiterating the general principles that God is at work in his church through the Spirit of the risen Christ, and each of these very gifts, each of these very ministries, and all these outcomes reveal a single purpose of the Lord, and that is the unity of his church. And when all the various things that can be going on through the gifts of the Spirit are going on, the gifts of the Spirit, then the church doesn't lack for anything. And so Paul just begins to give these basic principles that concern spiritual gifts working in the church. And understand, beloved, that every individual has received them, young and old, male and female, regardless of the social situation, doesn't matter. Every gift has been given, and the body is fully equipped. And the more we use those gifts in the faith provided, the more the body has what it needs. It doesn't lack for anything. Now, what were those gifts? We're out of time. So what were those gifts the Holy Spirit has given that are so diverse, which lead to such differing ministries and has such varied outcomes? What were they? The Lord meets the needs of his church. How does he do that? Those needs have changed throughout history. So obviously he's adapted his church to meet the needs as it moves through history. So it shouldn't surprise us that the Lord has given us discernment to know what to look for now as well what we would have seen in the early part of the church. Okay, in the first century. So this will be a rich study for us, and we're going to take our time with it because I want to make sure that you understand why we say what we say, why we think and the Bible says these certain things, and look at the very uh, places in the Bible that say the same thing, and cut all that apart and put it all back together so we can understand 
where we stand and how we can reveal and understand in our own heart uh, what gifts we have, what gifts should be working, and then how we can play a part in seeing all those things happen inside this body of Christ here at Berean. Okay? Let's uh, be dismissed in prayer. If you would, close your eyes. If you would, bow with me. Father, we thank you today for time in the Word. We thank you particularly for uh, how uh, much joy it brings our own heart to to dig in, to see how these all, all these parts fit together, how Paul's letters to the different churches just help us to understand in such a rich way uh, what you have planned for the church, how you have equipped it to serve uh, and take care of itself and to grow and to minister, and you do that through the work of your Holy Spirit in the lives of individuals. So, Father, I guess our takeaway today uh, with all the doctrine that we came away with would be uh, an evaluation of where we're plugged in, if we're plugged in, and to what extent we're using our gifts as it relates to our faith. And Father, because you look at individuals, and we shouldn't be thinking about anyone else right now, but just ourselves, and how that's supposed to work, what that's supposed to look like. And then if we are plugged in, then, who is getting that glory and, and uh, focus? Is it making the Holy Spirit known? Is it making us known? And is there fruit from that? And a variety of outcomes, obviously, and looking for those outcomes, uh, not because that somehow relates to our value, but because we see that when we work, we know there's an outcome because there's varied outcomes based on the gifts that are given and the faith that's given with them and the varieties of ministries that you're going to give us. So, Father, we're looking around again as we uh, are here, looking for ministries to plug into, finding a place then to serve, discovering where it is that you've gifted us, and tailoring that, that ministry so that we can be in our strong place. And so, Father, we thank you for uh, your work of the Spirit here. And I pray that you'll continue to work. Thank you for so many who are plugged in here, who give themselves on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and all throughout the week. Thank you for blessing them. I know that you do. Thank you for encouraging them. And I pray that you encourage them all the more. And Father, for those who are outside and kind of looking in and, and haven't been plugged in or have pulled themselves out, Father, help them to see they're not in a place where you can bless them and certainly not in a place where they're using gifts that you've given in a way that benefits the body. And I pray that you'll bring them back in. Thank you for all that you've done through the Holy Spirit in our own lives. Thank you for forgiveness of sin because of Christ's payment and his resurrection. Thank you that we can proclaim that clearly. Help us to do that, Father, as part of our we move through and out the doors into the community that will be about loving you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor, Father, and then giving out the Great Commission, teaching them to observe everything you've taught us, making disciples. Father, we know that even there, your Holy Spirit's at work, that we can't save anyone, but we can certainly be faithful to give out the gospel and you do the work in the planting of the seed and the watering and the harvesting pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, that we long to see. Help us to be found faithful as a church and individuals as he comes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen.